And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Getting ready for the start of the fantasy football semifinals on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Fantasy Football in 15. It is Thursday, December 17th, and that means Fantasy Football semifinals kick off later today when the Chargers and Raiders get together on Thursday Night Football. Welcome into the show. I'm Michael Beller, joined as always by Derek Van Riper. DVR, we are here. We are in the Fantasy Football semifinals. I know you've got Scott Fishbowl going. You got anything going tonight? Oh, do I have anything going tonight? I don't think I do. I'm trying to mentally check all the boxes on all my rosters. Yeah, it's hard sometimes. It really is. <laughs> and it means I had a good year, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not go. completely Beautiful. off the off the grid just yet. So not really. Go. Not looking for anything big in the Thursday night game. How about you? Yeah, also not looking for anything big in the Thursday night game. But it's weird how that falls, right? To just I've got four teams playing in the semifinals and no one really important on either Oakland. There it is. Haven't done that in a long time on <laughs> Vegas or the Chargers. Uh, but a lot of people do. So let's dive into that game. Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen are both on the injury report listed as questionable. Eckler has a quad injury. Keenan Allen, a hamstring, both questionable. Both likely to play, but just something to keep an eye on. And obviously, if they go for the Chargers, they go for you. There are a lot of key injuries to non-fantasy people in this game. On the Chargers side, you've got Brian Balaga, Denzel Perryman, and Nazer Adderley all out. So two defensive starters plus an offensive lineman. And then the Raiders have four defensive starters, Clellan Farrell, Jonathan Abram, Damon Arnett, and Nicholas Morrow all out for this game. So just really uh, hamstrung on the defensive side of the ball. Let's look at the quarterbacks in this one, Derek, and let's start with Justin Herbert. Four of his worst five games of the season have come in the last five weeks, and you know you would expect that to happen to a rookie. The league is starting to adjust to him a little bit, but still someone who I think we generally want to be starting in fantasy leagues. In his first game against the Raiders, threw for 326 yards and two touchdowns. Are you betting on a bounce back for him this week? Yeah, it's a nice spot, and you know the Raiders are a pretty generous defense, even with the injuries that you mentioned to some of the non-fantasy players in this game. This could actually be a reasonably high-scoring game. I mm -hmm. think our perception of Justin Herbert might be skewed just a bit by what happened to this Chargers team in New England in Week 13, even though he's cooled off a bit after that red-hot start. We're still talking about a guy that last week in Atlanta – put up 16 fantasy points, 243 yards to the air and a couple of touchdowns. That's a nice floor. I mean, that's what a, a veteran QB2 does most weeks. And we know that Justin Herbert also brings some rushing floor to the table most weeks. Interesting, though, that he has not had any rushing yards 
in each of the last two games. Went backwards against the Bills in Week mm-hmm. 12. Uh, so some of those contributions we were getting earlier in the year have tailed off a little bit in recent weeks. Curious if you think that's something that might return in this matchup. It's really interesting, right? I mean, he was a guy who was always giving us a little bit of something over his first month worth of starts, six weeks worth of starts, and just haven't really seen it in any way. I mean, even if you go back to the last game where he really showed up for you as a rusher, that was in week 10 against the Dolphins. He scored a touchdown in that game on the ground, but just 10 yards. So it's not like that's something that you can bank on him getting into the end zone. I I wouldn't be counting on that coming back, but I do think this is a nice Nice bounce-back spot for him generally against a Raiders defense that doesn't scare you even when it's full strength and all those injuries, especially when you look at Clellan Farrell and Jonathan Abram being out for this team. This should be a an offense, that or a defense, excuse me, that Herbert is capable of taking advantage of. Let's just hope that he has an at least close to 100% Keenan Allen out there for him because that could change uh, this discussion. How about Derek Carr on the other side of this game? Uh, Derek, it's been you know an interesting season for Derek Carr. He has had one of his better fantasy seasons, but even that isn't translating into someone who you want to start every week. Uh, Jake Seeley, our colleague and rankings guru, uh, as of this recording, has him as his QB 17 for the week, sandwiched in between QB 16 Ben Roethlisberger and QB 18 Kirk Cousins, who are you starting Derek Carr over this week? Anyone interesting that you think could be in the discussion? Not like, yeah, I'll start Derek Carr over Nick Mullins. We've yeah, we've seen a better floor from Carr this season than many of us expected. In the last couple of weeks, he's flashed a pretty interesting ceiling, which comes on the heels of an absolute clunker in Week 12. That is one of the most surprising games of the season, and it just sticks in my mind as one of those performances where I'm so irritated with the Raiders that I have a hangover weeks later where I'm still (laughs) judging them for it. Uh, That all being said, I mean, the Chargers, they have plenty of issues defensively. Even when they build up a lead, they cough it up. And I think Carr's in a position to at least be as good as Jake has him ranked at QB 17. I'd probably play Carr over Phillip Rivers, who Jake has at 15. That feels like splitting hairs. I think I'd play Carr over Ben Roethlisberger right now, too. The Steelers' offense just doesn't look right. I know it's a nice matchup for Big Ben going up against the Bengals, but I don't like what I see. It's Mm -hmm. a complete failure of the eye test, even though he's got great weapons around him. I think once you get up to Jalen Hurts, you look at his rushing ability that we saw last week, that's probably enough for me to say I'd play Hurts over Carr. Uh, Maybe... Jared Goff thinking that game's a blowout and the Rams are just running the ball a lot against the Jets. Maybe he sits for me if I've got Goff versus Carr as my toss-up. So I, I see a path for Carr to be ranked a little higher than Jake has him this week. Yeah, I think really the, the argument against Carr is just about the other quarterbacks. I mean, listen to all those guys who you listed. Like, even if you like him better than Roethlisberger, which I do, if you like him better than Rivers in a nice matchup against Houston, which I think I do. I mean, it's not like these are slam-dunk, open-and-shut cases. And then you get into that Jalen Hurts, Jared Goff, Mitch Trubisky against Atlanta, Deshaun Watson, Taysom Hill, Tom Brady, as we're going up the list. And clearly you're not going to start Derek Carr over those guys. So it just becomes a case of Derek Carr being a victim of this deep quarterback pool rather than Derek Carr being someone who you absolutely can't start. Should be a fun game between the Chargers and the Raiders and definitely a big one for the Raiders in the playoff race. A very tight one, an exciting one. You might need 10 wins to get into the playoffs on the AFC side of the bracket. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, let's talk about some running backs who are not going to be playing on Thursday and maybe, Derek, not playing at all. Let's start with Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones put on the COVID list. This came after he uh, word came out that he suffered a fractured finger. Uh, in the Buccaneers' win over the Vikings last week. The fractured finger was something that didn't sound like it was going to cost him uh, this game, but you I'll now factor in the COVID list and being put on it on Wednesday, and suddenly Ronald Jones looking iffy for the matchup with the Falcons. Uh, if Leonard Fournette gets into that starter's chair, how comfortable would you be playing him? I'd be lukewarm on it because he was a healthy scratch in Week 14. We saw LaShawn McCoy work kind of as the third down back in that game against the Vikings. We saw Keyshawn Vaughn uh, get a handful of snaps in that game as well. So even if Fournette comes back and is the lead back this week, he probably doesn't step into Leonard or it doesn't step into Ronald Jones's typical role, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the concern that I have. So I think he's worth picking up because the matchup is good and he's a viable sort of TD-dependent fill-in in a lot of leagues, but I'm not starting him with confidence because I think they chop the workload differently if Jones can't go. With you totally. I think LaShawn McCoy has some sort of role to play in this game if Ronald Jones isn't out there. I just don't trust Leonard Fournette at all. This is something we got into with a little bit greater depth on the Wednesday episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, and me, Jake, and Brandon Funston all agreed that you probably want to go in a different direction. Leonard Fournette is a break glass in case of emergency only play, even if Ronald Jones is unable to play in this game. Raheem Mostert, no practice on a Wednesday because of an ankle injury that he suffered in Week 14, looking iffy for this week's matchup with the Cowboys. Derek, we know that Kyle Shanahan is not someone who we can feel super comfortable about when it comes to the way he uses his backfield, but Jeff Wilson has been something close to a one-for-one replacement for Raheem Mostert, so much so that he was already siphoning some touches away from Mostert with both of them healthy over the last few weeks. I think I actually feel pretty good about Jeff Wilson in this game against the Cowboys if Mostert is out. How about you? Same. I mean, I think you could see another back out there for some passing down mm-hmm, situations, sure, sure. but I like San Francisco in this spot because I think Dallas's defense is one that can leak yardage and points to 
an average sort of offense. But I think Kyle Shanahan's obviously a great tactician, and San Francisco's offense has been ravaged by injuries, but they're sort of tracking back toward being a healthier than they have been unit down the stretch. And Wilson is a guy that I would definitely want to play, whereas with McCoy, it, it is exactly as you described to me, a break glass in case of emergency sort of situation. Yeah, it's just, it, I think Jeff Wilson's a guy to get really excited about. Uh, he's getting goal line carries already with Raheem Mostert in. He punched one of those in last week against Washington. The week before that, turned seven carries into 47 yards against Buffalo in a game where San Francisco was having to throw the ball quite a bit because of what Buffalo's offense was able to do. You go back to the one game that he did start, 17 carries for 112 yards and three touchdowns against the Patriots, and then he suffered an ankle injury that cost him more than a month in that same game. We've seen that from Jeff Wilson before this year. We've seen it from Jeff Wilson in this year, and for he Mostert is out, I do think that we see the 49ers trust Wilson in a way that they had previously trusted Mostert as the lead, even understanding that some of those other backs are going to mix in in passing situations. Uh, let's talk about one more thing here, Derek. I know uh, I was out on uh, the last episode, so thank you and thank you, Brandon Funston, for filling in for me. And you guys got into our early 2021 mock draft that is still going on as we uh, slowly make our way through 10 rounds. You will be able to see this on The Athletic when it is done, but I thought we would check back in on that and look at some of the rounds beyond where we were when you and Funston had our last episode and talk about our least favorite and most favorite picks since then. I'll go first. My favorite pick, I'm sort of cheating, it's by me, but I want to talk about Cortland Sutton. Took him with the eighth pick in the fifth round. He was the 25th wide receiver taken. And let's just let's just not forget about Cortland Sutton. I don't think when we're actually sitting down to draft in 2021, people are going to forget about him. But let's keep him in our mind going into this offseason. We were all really excited about him, and for good reason, coming into this 2020 year. And I think that he is someone who could vault back into uh, being someone who is maybe in the wide receiver one discussion in 2022 with what we saw from him last year. Unfortunate that he had the season-ending injury way back in the summer, but he is someone who I am very excited about next year. On the opposite side, I did not love Michael Salfino's pick of Mark Andrews, third pick in the sixth round, the fourth tight end off the board. If you like Andrews, I suppose that's about where you're going to have to take him, at least as we do these early 2021 mocks. But the reason I didn't like it was not necessarily because of Andrews, but because I think there are two, maybe three tight ends who I think are more desirable than Andrews. And Salfino rectified that later with the second team by taking TJ Hawkinson at the end of the sixth round. I would much rather have Hawkinson than Andrews. I would rather have Dallas Goddard than Andrews. I think Zach Ertz is headed for a new team next season. Noah Fant might be a better play than Andrews. It just There were too many tight ends on the board at that point for me to want to use a pick on Mark Andrews. So that's where I sit. What jumps out to you? I was surprised to see Selfino on that same team take A.J. Dillon. He's the 27th running back off the board. Aaron Jones is a pending free agent. If Aaron Jones ends up going elsewhere in 2021, then A.J. Dillon goes a lot earlier than this. It's a pretty big gamble, relatively speaking. Uh, it is a mock draft, so there's not actual money <laughs> on the line. But I guess I'd, in my mind, I expect the Packers to retain Aaron Jones, or if they lose him, to bring in another back who can handle a lot of his functions. I see A.J. Dillon as a replacement for Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is also a free agent at the end of the season. It's a bigger back with a more physical running style. Uh, I see the Packers leaning on some sort of timeshare 
in 2021, and I think A.J. Dillon is more of the secondary option than a primary option. It could easily play out in a way where both of those backs leave, and Dillon is the guy mm-hmm. based on the draft capital they just invested in him, but I was surprised to see that, to say the least. I thought I could wait a bit longer before possibly taking that flyer. Uh, but the pick that I actually liked the most in the last couple of rounds was Mike Evans was there for me in round five of this draft. He was the 26th wide receiver taken. Wide receiver is deep right now, and I think maybe part of it is that numbers across the board look juiced, right? Without a lot of fans in the stands, offenses are picking apart defenses, so it's kind of like a baseball season with the super happy fun ball where (laughs) all the offensive numbers look really good and you feel great about everything you do. I think with Mike Evans, we, you know, we don't know if Antonio Brown goes back to Tampa Bay again for next season. Maybe Evans himself ends up playing somewhere else, but this will probably be the first time in his career that he doesn't get to the 1,000-yard mark. Still has 11 TDs this year, only 51 catches in 13 games, but I look at Mike Evans as a top 10 talent at the wide receiver position, and he's done it before without being extremely efficient on a per-target basis. We had two years in a row where he was one of the most efficient receivers in the league, 11 yards per target in 2018, uh, 9.8 yards per target in 2019. He's down at 7.8 yards per target this season. All that being said, like I would not be surprised at all if I still target Mike Evans in the third round of drafts this summer. So to get him in the fifth was a really big surprise for me. Curious if I'm missing any red flags there. I don't think so. And like you said, this is a mock exercise and these things always look a little different when we do them in December compared to if we do in the first ones, even in like April or May. So it's just a fun thing to do and you will be able to check it out on The Athletic next week. Of course, you're going to need a subscription to The Athletic to check it out. And right now you can buy one and get one to give as a gift during this gift giving season. Just go to theathletic.com slash football in 15 to take advantage of that offer. We're going to wrap things up now for Derek Van Riper. I am Michael Beller. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a great day.